This episode of Ask the Masters podcast is brought to you by Universal Cement. Hi, I'm Jamie Dykes with Universal White Cement, and you're listening to Ask the Masters podcast. Welcome into the Ask the Masters podcast, and welcome back for part two of our intriguing discussion with Alan Smith Pool Plastering. Today, we're going to get more into some of the problems with pool plaster and some of the solutions that are available. Stay tuned. This is another wonderful episode. Hello, and welcome to the Ask the Masters podcast. This podcast is dedicated to discussions about the design and construction of water shapes. The hosts of the show are all certified SWD masters who represent the leading builders and designers within the water shaping industry today. If you have like bad shock, we all know that waterproof uh, plaster is not waterproof. So if you really have a bad shockery shell, how does that affect like the the plaster? Does you know? Does it like calcium come through? Can it start, you know? Well, bad in what way? Well, it's mean? like really porous or, or, you know, low low mix design. It's only like a, a, a lot of the pools around here, unfortunately, they're 2,500 PSI dry mix, you know, shakri. Um, you know, you tear, you strip off the plaster and you can just see how porous they are and how tan they are. And, mm-hmm. you know, does that water, when it gets through the plaster, does that have a, any effect on, you know, some of the, you know, staining on the plaster or anything? Or you mean from the backside coming through? From the backside through? coming through. You know, that's a really good question. I have my theories on that mm-hmm. from just natural observation over the years, plastering so many new pools and then redoing older pools because here's here's my little bit of theory on that, and I'll throw this out there, and this is totally for comment, you know. Um, I plastered millions of pools for DeMar Barron and on my own at the beginning, and uh, we did every kind of creature pool you can imagine with every kind of gunite, shotcrete, hardness levels uh, psi levels all over all over the place and um but as a foreman running those i wasn't really around to see what issues were happening afterwards we we're just out there tearing them up every day when we got our own business going and we started doing those and then the remodels at the same time i'm paying a lot of attention uh, attention to what's going on uh, a lot more and I did find some very interesting scenarios where you would have pools in certain areas where you have certain soils conditions, mm-hmm. and you would have a lot of certain types of minerals in soils. You had even areas where there's a lot of oil in the area, you know, like the right. pumping oils and things like that, and moisture content, and uh, high water tables and all that. And I found certain pools in certain areas... Um, when you put plaster on a brand new gunite job, that gunite job's in there maybe 30 days to maybe six months. And that, um, and you're going right on the surface of that gunite, and the soils behind it haven't really had a chance to, the minerals in there to percolate all the way through to the surface where the plaster's hitting. And so you're pretty good on the new pool, I think, for the most part, as far as soils conditions uh, coming through. But on our replasters, you're doing a pool that's been in the ground 30 years, and that soil has actually, in the minerals, has permeated all the way through that gunite up to the back of the plaster that's hydrated and all that, and either is taken off or all that, and then we go over it. Now this plaster is hitting a high-saturated gunite that has all kinds of soils, minerals mm-hmm. to the backside. You know, I've seen the weirdest things. You know, at a certain level, like two feet below the pla- or the tile, from there down, it's discolored, but from there up, it's white. Hmm. Uh, because maybe there's something, and I was thinking, equating it to saturation of minerals. And right. it's not a straight line, it kind of fluctuates. And maybe one side of the pool more than the other. And, um, you know, I did send samples out and took some for a while, and we found high mineral contents of just everything you can think of. 
And so, sure, I think that had some, especially on the white products that show everything, right? Uh, Not so much pebbles and exposed aggregates, but the white plaster, which is semi, almost like translucent. We were seeing a lot of that. So uh, I think that's that question. But as far as the gunite itself, um, of course, the... uh, I think the more porous and the lower PSI, you do have a lot of drying happening right. very quickly. And the faster it dries and the moisture is pulled out of the backside, the less time you have to work with your pool finish. You can get more check cracking because uh, of uh, moisture losses coming out quicker. Um, you know, getting it trialed uh, out smooth. Of course, you can control a lot of that with your calcium chloride. Um, but I mean, I've had uh, steps completely check crack and the rest of the pool didn't. And, uh, and it did fill quickly and found out that the steps were basically all rebound. Mm-hmm. And, uh, right. and so you have that issue or spa steps and things like that. So uh, sure, it's all important. Yeah. You do have to have a good mix design, I think helps yeah. everything starts from there. Well, yeah, going back to that, uh, here in Orange County, I mean, there are certain cities that require a certain PSI of concrete because of the sulfate in the soil. So it kind of goes back to what you're talking about with the minerals coming you know, through the backside of it. So. I haven't proved that, but mm-hmm. I think if, well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I if think it it's came down to, to it, go, I yeah, think yeah. it's uh, I think there's a lot of uh, you know uh, potential truth to sure. what I'm saying, but uh, um, yeah, so I think yeah, uh, that's, that's a good theory. You know, <laughs> it sounds good. You know, <laughs> well, and I think even just inconsistencies, especially in gunite pools, dry mix uh, gunite. Um, you know, you'll have some inconsistencies throughout a wall even, you know, I mean, I've, I've been around long enough and I've seen walls just weep like crazy. And, you know, the guys are pulling the trowel and they're troweling the plaster on and five minutes later it's dripping down because of all the moisture coming back through. And that, that's going to hydrate so much differently than a different spot in the pool. And you're going to get a dark spot right. right there. And a lot of things can control that. I mean, uh, you know, you can have a very consistent gunite job, uh, but then where you have your plumbing trenches, yeah. Uh, water travels in those like a river, you right. know, underneath that. Yeah. And it can come out in certain areas. Um, you can have, um, you know, high water tables on the side. You can have sprinklers from hillsides that are permeating on one side of the pool and coming through and saturating more another. And then you right. can have areas, like you're saying, with the gunite inconsistencies in the, uh, in the uh, dry mix shot. And you have some very porous areas next to others. And, uh, of course, those guns can burp out once in a while and not get yeah. really consistent. And you get right. a lot of sand. And then, uh, yeah, so the more you can eliminate that, obviously, yeah. the better. Right. Yeah. One of the things that we're seeing a lot now, um, you know, we do some overstructure stuff, uh, and so waterproofing is getting to be really um, a pretty big thing. Um, and uh, how do you do anything different when you're going over a shell that's been waterproof? Because there's no way to really get that shell SSD, uh, you know, it's it's it is what it is, uh, and and are you seeing anything different? Are you treating them differently? Uh, it's more a curiosity question that I haven't. <laughs> You're gonna uh, love my answer. I avoid them. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, li- potential liability things. I uh, like that. I mean, we're busy enough, um, uh, but some pools we have to do like over parking structures. You know, at, right. uh, you know, hotel motels, uh, apartment complexes. We've done a few pools up in the upper. Um, you know stories but we don't ever want to get into the existing waterproofing and puncture that Um, so we'll try to figure another way of going over everything and trying to keep that intact or we'll go to a specification that a builder architect will write and try to do that if we have to Um, I don't want to make a spec on something like that personally I'll try to avoid that um, because then I own it but uh, 
but we don't do that much of that actually. But even like um, uh, infinity edge walls, you know, I know a lot of guys will run the waterproofing down, you know, inside and outside, uh, and so you'll be, you know, the floor will be traditional uh, shotcrete, mm -hmm. and then you're coming up onto the waterproofing. Uh, is there any, any? Do you see any difference in performance there as you're doing them? Um, performance in what way as far as performance of, yeah. the, of the material do you get more check cracking on the um, not noticeable no, on okay. my end uh, not that we can actually uh, put a figure to um, you know we do a lot of infinite edge walls on remodels where we're fixing them mm -hmm. rarely do I come one across one that doesn't need fixing right um, you know you do get those uh, that have been built well and all that and then uh, they put a poor product over it you can have a wall built well, and then they don't waterproof it, or they put the wrong kind of product over it. Right. And then you can have a, pro a wall that wasn't built well, and they did everything right after that. And then try to get something that everything was done properly all the way through on the remodel. So we come in and kind of am with a big TBD in anticipation on discovery once we get everything demoed down. And then we waterproof the crap out of them. You know, okay. we really do. We go down the wall on the pool side down to the cove. Mm -hmm. And then uh, on the back side, obviously, as low as we need to to get below whatever masonry or tile product we're putting over that. Right. And, uh, and we'll go, you know, what the spec is plus. Uh, it's cheap insurance in my right. book. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. you've done so many, I mean, you're primarily remodeling. You're primarily mm -hmm. uh, that. So um, why don't you speak about... What are the biggest issues that you see? You know, you, you generally tend to see a pool that's 15, 20 years old. And, and uh, you know, uh, what are the consistent areas of problem that, uh, that, that if you could yell at all the pool builders and say, hey, you know, watch these areas because we see problems here all the time. What are some of those areas? Okay. Well, obviously, um, the rebound is probably the biggest one. And that's, you know, the builder's gunite sub. You know, a lot of times the builder, if he's not there the day they're doing it, they've got to live with what they did. Uh, but that is a, a tremendous problem. Uh, a lot of times, so very often, steel's not placed in the center. Or they don't have good coverage. That's another right. big one. Another really big one is um, improper expansion joints between the deck and the coping right. and mm -hmm. causing the coping to be shoved loose so you have a horizontal um, crack in the tile line where the whole uh, mortar bed and uh, coping's being shoved loose. Um, that's another really big one. And, or uh, uh, or masonry nails that are nailing up the yeah, foam. Or they, put the foam <laughs> they put the foam in that's with nails, one. which is yeah. a bridge. Right. Or they didn't go far enough down and the concrete curls underneath. Um, things like that is what we see a lot of. Another thing is, is when we remove decks, I'd say maybe one out of three deck removals we do, we just completely destroy the pool plumbing electricals. It was put six inches under the soil wasn't done down properly in the trenches and that's considered construction defect mm -hmm. and the homeowner gets stuck with a gigantic change order to replumb and run new conduit because it wasn't put deep enough and we have that in our contract so just all those basic um, things another thing i find uh, is a lot of hillside pools weren't engineered to be freestanding right yeah and uh so um you know they were built to what the soils report said from the developer and then there's movement, so the engineer says, well, I built to what it was supposed right. to be, but inevitably you have that slope and secrete and subsidence, and then if the pool would have been engineered, but then everybody's in that competitive bidding cycle, so I right. says, hey, we'll bid to this, but I'm going to put an extra 
$5,000 into structural steel and all that because I think it might move 20 years from now. Well, you just lost that bid for that 5000 right. So, um, So those are the big dynamics I'm seeing on the remodel side of things. Okay. Yeah. Hi, we're back again. I'm Grant Smith, Aquilink Pools and Spas, and we're back with Jamie Dykes from Universal Cement. Jamie, can you tell us a little bit more about your pre-blended mixes? Yeah, so uh, Universal White Cement, as we talked about, we have our two interior finish lines, finest finish blends, and gemstone. And um, within those finish lines, we have quite a bit of different pre-blended interior pool finishes. So we pretty much have everything from your marble plaster finish to quartz to commercial products. Our uh, pretty popular micro pebble products uh, and we even have some polished finishes and mini pebble finishes as well So we have the full gamut of pool finishes all in a pre-blended system, which is pretty awesome Great, so uh, your gemstone finish is that uh, we didn't get a chance to really talk about that before But what was what is the gemstone finish related to to other brands? Where would that fit in? So gemstone is um, uh, more equivalent to like the pebble tech and wet edges of the world um, it's, a, it's a smaller brand and that's a little bit proprietary to the different finishers in different areas. Mm. So, you know, Orange County, San Diego, you have your different finishers that are gemstone installers, where our finest finish blends line is uh, kind of for everyone, and okay. anyone that wants to install it. Gotcha. And what are some of your, I mean, how many basic, uh, in all your finishes, uh, about average, how many different colors and, and, and uh, types of uh, different aggregate do you have? So with our pre-blended finishes, um, I think we're at about nine or 10 different types of pre-blended wow. finishes now. Um, you know, we're pre-blending. So the, the cement, the aggregate, if there's glass, if there's abalone shell, everything comes in a bag for these guys. Um, it's in a white base. So between the different lines, there's anywhere usually from five to seven colors, um, except for in our commercial line. You know, we stick right. with uh, white with that. Yeah. Um, but you're basically taking this one bag of product and you're able to create at least seven different colors. Um, so it's super easy for warehousing, super easy for mixing. Um, it's very, very versatile, user-friendly. So I, I didn't get a chance to the last time we did this uh, on the last episode, but we were talking a little bit about your uh, founder, Randy. And you said he was an actual Pebble Tech uh, installer or finisher? Yeah, or? so um, back in the day, he worked um, out in Arizona, uh, Prado and Sons Pool Plastering, and he was uh, a Pebble Tech applicator out there. And um, many, many years uh, he worked doing that. And he, in the 90s, there was this big crisis with the cement. The cement failed. And as we talked about, he, he found that need. He saw that need for a better cement, something that was strong and durable on the, you know, homeowner side of things, but also on the installer side of things, right. he wanted something that was good to trowel. You know, he was the one in there troweling these pools uh, with his buddies. So right. he wanted something that had good usability, workability, um, and also had the strength and durability factor. Right. So that's kind of where it all began, yeah. Yes, so your product is uh, made for plasters by a guy yeah. who actually was down the hole plastering. Exactly, <laughs> we call it uh, four pool plasters by pool plasters because that's exactly what it is. Right, well that's great. Yeah. So Okay, well great, well it's great to have you here again and uh, hopefully everybody will start checking you guys out. Uh, I think it's a great product once again um, and I just think your microfusion finish, your radiant finishes are just so beautiful. So um, Thank you, we appreciate that. Top, top notch in my book. Yeah, thanks so much for having okay. me. Thanks. Uh, I know one of your passions that you're really wanted to uh, see is um, 
uh, permits for replaster. Uh, and mm -hmm. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what the uh, what your thought process is, uh, is behind that? I think it's a great idea. Uh, I think it'll professionalize the your side of it. I mean, I see that a lot where there's a lot of, you know, guys out of the back of a pickup right. truck, uh, you know, kind of give me your thoughts and theory <laughs> on that. Well, you know, when pools uh, started getting built here in Southern California, late 40s and 50s, um, you know, you fly over, you look down, there's how many million pools yeah, here. Yeah. And, um, you know, building permits were designed to actually build pools properly, safely, and they held up. And there was a side to it of the safety components, right? Well, over the years, um, all these pools that were built, um, you know, uh, properly, um, new codes, new standards for safety compliance has come up. And that's really where I'm focusing it on, is uh, for a simple replaster, um, there's really nothing the building department's going to come in and, and give a standard for replastering a pool. They don't care how you prep it. They don't care what kind of plaster you use. There's not a spec they get to inspect on. But what they are going to do is they're going to pull that pool up to current safety standards. Because I tell a homeowner, I don't care what color plaster, what type, you know, all I know is I have to make this pool safer when I leave than when I got here. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, child safety, there's no compromise on that in our book. As the pool industry, we got to rally around that one. And we are uh, big because when the pool's being replastered, in Orange County, California, I think every city but three uses the replastering event. They call out for a permit so they can bring the pool environment up to safety codes. You know, um, w um, door alarms, uh, right. side gates opening the right way, fence heights, make sure the main drain covers are, are the right size for the, the new variable speed pump you put in. Um, there's anti-hair entrapment drain covers uh, that you have. The, the, you also have the floating devices that show that, you know, mm -hmm. everything you can do to make the pool as safe as possible uh, for children. Now, of course, obviously, the most safe thing is to watch your kids, but invariably right. you have that incident where they don't get out there. The permits are made to actually ensure that happens. And unfortunately, what's happening is people are putting profit over safety. They would rather tell the homeowner, you don't need that permit, it's grandfathered in or something, because they know that if you gotta pull a permit, it, everything gets complicated. You know, instead of getting through in and out of that job really quick, you have the permit process, you have potentially, you know, getting red tagged or uh, marked up on something, and then the c customer has to pay potentially more dollars to maybe bring his backyard up to code. And so a guy will say, well, you don't have to do that, and they'll just try to get a, away from that just to sell the job. And that's what we run into. Um, you know, we try to pull permits in every single job. Or we're, you know, most of our competitors are telling the customer, you don't have to do that. The bad part about that is, is if, God forbid, there's ever a death or injury to that pool and it wasn't brought up to safety standard, right. you just had a contractor that told the customer not to do something that they should have, and who's responsible? Exactly. And, right, and uh, I don't think our industry should even toy around with that one. I think everybody should just step up the plate, and if it needs a permit, you get it. Now, the State Contractors Board re says that if you do not pull a permit when it's required, you can have your license revoked. You know, right. you're breaking the law there. And uh, if even if there isn't an incident, uh, because that's what we're supposed to do as licensed contractors is let the customer know and inform them what the right thing to do is and to bring that pool up to safety standard, right. whether it's whatever it is. Yeah. And I think we have that responsibility. And, uh, you know, the swimming pool industry needs to lead that, not get pulled into it, but actually get in front of that line and lead that safety. You know, the, right. um, 
Child Prevention Foundation or Child uh, um, Drowning um, Prevention Foundation is really behind this type right. of thing. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've been talking to them about that, and uh, and uh, they're all behind that. And uh, yeah. let's make these pools safe, fun. You know, there's no reason for them to be dangerous. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I run into. Whenever I do go to remodel lead, we have a single main drain. It's like, okay, so we're going to split the main drains. We're going to do multiple suction outlets. And the everybody in the homeowners like, well, these other five guys we had come out said we don't need to do that. And so at that point, I'm just I'm swimming against a current, you know. So oh, it's, yeah, no pun intended. Yeah. And uh, you know, here's how bad it can get. I was two weeks ago, I was up on an inspection for the National Plasters Council on a plaster job that people didn't like, and it was up in uh, L.A. And I went and looked at the pool, and the homeowner was there, the contractor was there, everybody was there, and I look. And there was a big issue with the, the product installed, uh, an install, installer issue, right? It was debonding on the outside edges. But they had old ABF 64 main drains from mm. 15 years ago, four brand new ones. And he had a brand new variable speed pump that oh goes to three horse. Now, I took the contractor aside and I said, hey, you know, uh, Quietly, I go, I care less about your pool finish, but right. you've got some pretty seriously dangerous drain covers in there with a high-volume pump. He goes, well, that's what the store sold me. Yeah. Well, there's BS to that. The store hasn't sold those in 10 years. Right. He probably had boxes of them left over he got for free, and he's throwing those in. Right. Well, found out the city he's in requires permits, and he didn't pull one. Mm. That would have never flown. Right. And uh, now that homeowner was sitting there. they got four small kids, two of them girls with long hair, and I'm sitting there going, now what do we do? We got a plastering contractor that put profit over safety, didn't care about anything, and now you have a potential issue. So I told the person that paid us, which was the material manufacturer, and in writing, here's you got these issues, you know, you've got to let the homeowner know immediately, because the contractor's not going to, right. and let them figure out what to do with that. And, uh, you know, God forbid something bad happens, yeah. you know, so... Uh, um, but you're right, that is a passion of mine, making sure, um, even if you don't pull a permit, and if you want to try to maybe get away with that, at least bring everything up to current safety standards. Right, yeah. You know, and, but sure. who's going to sign off and said you did? Right. You know, but uh, I don't want that liability. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, God forbid something happens, that's willful neglect. You know, your insurance won't cover you. Right. That's criminal. Right. You know, and, yeah. and you can be in serious problems if there ever an issue with that. So it's in California is very litigious and very, very regulatory. And that's the way it is. And if we're going to do work here, you either do it right or, you know, you right. got to be, you got to be an outlaw in the yeah. industry, you know, if you're not. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, we've, we had another program, uh, not too long ago where we talked about drowning prevention and that, and you know, it, it's, the conversation doesn't have to be negative. You know, we, we <clears> have to get past that as builders. We have to be able to, um, you know, bring this topic up uh, because, yeah, you have a dangerous item in your backyard. You know, you're not going to leave uh, an open fire pit without your kids out there monitoring them. Uh, it's it's the same thing, you know, and, and, and it's even more dangerous because the kids want to swim in the pool. You know, they they know somewhat to stay away from the fire. It's we we need to just get everybody within the industry really talking about it because it's it's yeah. it's just it's good responsibility right and you have to have a certain amount of reasonableness in the conversation for instance how many kids get run over in the street in front of their house because they got out through the front door in a year right now is the street bad 
No. You know, it can be dangerous if it's not monitored and that whole thing. There's a lot less likelihood of the events in the swimming pool than kids getting hit on their bike or out in front and all that. But you got to make it safe because it is, you know, as you can because it is a tremendous resource yeah. for everybody. And it can be so fun and and all this other stuff is so preventable. But you're right. Um, you know, uh, I think, and by doing it the right way, the way we're talking about it, is going to really take away that negative yeah. connotation to it. Well, the cost even just to do it right is not that big of a cost. Um, you know, what's a remodel permit? $150 in a lot of cities or? 150 to 200 but right. then the fees for us to do plans right. and then yeah. sit inspections and before you know it, you're a thousand bucks. Yeah. You know, and then but, the, the upgrades potentially. Right, yeah. I understand. And granted that's true, but it's, it's, it's we're doing, this is, Honestly, whether you're doing like a really simple pool or something more complex, it's still a luxury to have in your backyard. So, it is. But um, your yeah. point is right, though. Yeah. In the scheme of the potential, the pen- it's, right. nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's right. nothing. Yeah. What's know, a once, child's life worth? It's right. exactly right. And uh, so, you know, I mean, I just talked to a customer today and they said, well, I don't have any kids. Right. I go, well, you have visitors and you have side gates that right. they don't open. A kid can get in yeah. and uh, whoever you sell it to. And so they, you know, you just got to think, you know, the long view on this. And that's what the city does. And they're there to protect the consumer. They really are. Yeah. Well, I just think as an industry, if we're going to get up to that level where we want to be with other industries, you know, just like a car manufacturer or some, you know, know, they have certain standards they want to meet with like seatbelts or airbags or whatever. And we've got to get up to that same level where, you know, we're definitely going to be where nobody's, we're still going to be the thought of as, you know, the pool guy, you know, kind of thing instead of being, you know, more professional about it. Well, you're right. You know, in the pool industry, unfortunately, his over the years hasn't developed the best reputation in the construction side right. because there's been so many shysters. You know, a lot of guys getting into the industry as purely subcontracting everything. And, you know, there hasn't been a lot of what I'd call real professionalism with some people. And then obviously others there has been. And so trying to get through that, um, you know, we don't want to look like we're one step below the carnival crowd in the construction right. field. You know, we want yeah. to be the leaders here and there's no reason why we shouldn't be. Right. And, uh, but by people shirking permits when they need to be pulled just to sign the job yeah. and not bring everybody up is one of those things right now that is not good for our industry. Right. Um, or specifically looking at that pool when you're replastering and looking for those safety yeah. and at least bringing it to the customer's um, knowledge and, and letting them know. And then if they decide not to, it's their call right. and they sign off on it. And uh, but I think that's something we need to really focus yeah. on more and more. And right. I know a lot of people don't want to, but um, you know that's a, a discussion we could have at the association level for yeah. our trade associations and really push for that because right. that is our long-term health for right. our industry, whether it's water conservation, safety, um, you know, energy, uh, whatever you got to do to sustain this industry, right. a labor, uh, yeah. you know, proper labor, all that things. And the one the sustainability is the safety aspect. Right. Yeah, sure. big time. Well, before we run out of too much time here, we, big topic I think everybody likes to talk about is colored plasters. So, um, you know, Dave, I mean, you were talking about that earlier and, and um, you know, the, the, the complexity of colored plaster. And why don't you give us your opinion and what you like about it or don't like about it and the best way to handle it. All right, colored plaster. Well, um, colored plaster, first off, to understand... Um, Colored plaster, you know, is basically uh, plaster is marble sand, white cement, and pigment. You have two kinds of pigment, organic and inorganic, all right? 
organic pigment is uh, in the blues are called fallows um, and in the um, browns and blacks they're uh, carbon based and then you have the inorganics which are um, mineral based in the blues are chromiums cobalts and in the uh, and in the browns and blacks it's uh, iron oxide now the difference between the two is really particle size more than anything the uh, mineral-based ones uh, have a much larger particle base than the inorganic, much smaller. So you need very little mineral or organic to go a long ways. Like a gallon of blue um, organic just really goes a long ways in a mix. And it's, and it's super blue, right? The problem is, is the particle size is so small. As soon as that water gets the least bit um, aggressive, it starts to dissolve calcium hydroxide out in those small aggregate or those small... Um, particles of pigment go with it start lightening up that's why when spot itch happens on a mm. color it turns white because it's pulling pigment out of it mm. um, where the larger ones uh, it's harder to pull it it's a big chunkier piece and um, but it's also much more expensive right. to hold that and uh, so you need a lot more of it to contaminate the mix to create enough particles in there to have a uniform look um, so that's that's what that's made out of now as far as colored plaster the big thing everybody says on smooth troweled plasters is uniformity in surface color. Right. Um, so uh, in our particular um, company, we have a, a sign-off sheet that has six different pictures on the cover of the sheet of different potential issues with color plaster from uh, craze cracking showing white highlighting to uh, carbonation um, to uh, spot etching to just streaking modeling to hydration to all those things that happen normally mm-hmm. in the right. occurrence of the pool's life and even stuff that happens within the first week or two uh, that we don't have control over. And we have them say, I show them all those pictures and say, to meet your expectation, right. customer expectation, what this can or can't do. If they say, I can live with that, then they sign off. They go, I can't live with that. And I go, well, let's go look at a different product uh, because... Right. They go, well, the other guy said, you know, his all turned out perfect. I go, well, then I'd sign with that guy right? because I can't do that. Now, every plaster I know of in the nation has a colored plaster sign-off that says, we're not responsible for streaking, modeling, this, that, right. and the other thing. Because, um, you know, no matter how well you trowel a pool, uh, colored plaster, it can have issues of streaking and modeling and things like that because of moisture being drawn from the backside of it. Uh, with the gunite issues or just normal uh, evaporation of moistures from the surface uh, of it. Um, and uh, there's just so many different issues that can cause things as far as the troweling mechanism. If you have plaster that is drying too fast in one area, not in another, it can highlight lighter or darker. If he's got to put a little water on it to work fat up because it's drying too quick, um, that can create a, a discolor issue compared to the rest of the pool. And then you have just natural... A carbonation of, of, of calcium coming to the surface and then kind of working their way back in it creates almost like a fog over the surface of it and um, that could be difficult and so since we don't have that much control over it uh, we don't warranty that now is there things you can do to help it yes I think so um, for instance like we, we tent a lot of our pools um, there's been talk about you keep the sun off it so you don't have one wall that's drying faster than another uh, that's super helpful and that you have a little more consistency in how one side's drying off of another. Um, and so you don't have areas taking off on you. 
and uh, so we've been doing that for years and uh, and uh, that seems to help a lot and um, of course you can always do one in cooler weather that's nice but that's not always possible right what do you do in Palm Springs Phoenix even here when it gets hot well, we have to wait till March to do your pool, and here it is, you know, uh, August. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you just, you just got to deal with what you can get. Just realizing that color plaster jobs are susceptible to that. And so as long as the customer understands what it can and can't do. Now, the customer might have been very fortunate in his previous two or three pools had color plaster. They're all extremely uniform. And now you do one, and everything goes perfect. Yeah, right. And then, uh, voila, you got all this, you know, it looks patinaed. Well, you did something wrong. You used too much water. You used too much calcium. You used this. You did that. Blah 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 blah. And in fact, the thing could have gone perfectly. And so, um, we only warranty what we can control. And so, we're really clear that we tell the customer what we're willing to warranty and not warranty on a color plaster job. Um, so, um, you know, once they understand the front end, and I figure you can tell them and they can read it, but it's never the same thing as if they see it in a picture. Yeah, or, or, right. And then once they see that, and what we've done with those, we just simply lay that form in front of them and say, here's where you signed off. It's exactly the same thing. And they go, I just didn't realize it would happen to me. Right. You know? yeah. Well, right. you know, or let's go to a pebble. You know? and, and, but we rectify them. A lot of times with a customer, if they're a good customer and they're being fair with us, we'll redo the pool form and we'll charge a material and labor to do it in a right. pebble product. Yeah. And we're not marking it up for much. Or if, if they come out, if there's guns blazing, I'm going to sue you and all that. Wall bets are off. Go ahead and sue me. You sign this. Right. But if it, can you help us out here? What can we do? Uh, we're a little bit yeah. more but customer friendly. The, yeah. the, you know, with the advent of these micro aggregates now, um, you know, the, the, I think the, the material side of it is maturing, and you can really get now to, um, you know, it's not it's not perfectly smooth uh, like a traditional you know hard troweled plaster, uh, but some of the micro aggregates are yeah. they're they're not very rough. It's not the old days where you have the big square aggregate pebble finishes that right. are not super smooth. I'm a There's big a good fan option. of those. I'm a big fan of those. One of them is um, you know is uh, microfusion. I call it. I think it's made by Universal. And it's a very, very small aggregate, and you're right, you're washing all that reactive cream layer off the surface, which is what the problem is on smooth trowel. You have that cream layer, very reactive calcium particles in there. You get that all away, and you have basically a very small aggregate, which is a much smoother feeling than standard pebble. And then it's backed up with that pigmented cement, which really shows through. And uh, you get a lot more consistency. You can still get little blotchies, but they're nothing like a smooth plaster. But those are also susceptible to uh, water chemistry out of whack because you can still start pulling color more than in this big pebble where you have more of a big chunky pebble being pronounced, which is non-reactive. So there's a trade-off a little bit. You can Mm -hmm. still get more chemical reaction on a microfusion than a big pebble because it's more apparent. But um, as far as getting that consistency, I think that's an awesome product. But there's a trick to installing it. I mean, a lot of guys have given up on it because... It, uh, it takes a lot of patience, a lot of know-how. If you don't do it right, it can be really rough. You know, you just have to know how to lay it down. And mm-hmm. we've trained our guys, and you know, we've had our, we've had to redo a few of them. You know, I'm not going to have a customer live with one I don't like. Sure. And then, uh, and uh, but our guys have got it down, and we've done probably 50% of our exposed aggregate finishes are wow. these small yeah. ones now. And people just like that real clean, velvety look of finish. And we even throw a little bit of glass in there, you know, yeah, and really yeah. pizzazz it up. And, right. 
and you get some tremendous watercolors with them and customer yeah. bather uh, mm-hmm. comforts huge with that so uh, yeah it's a great product yeah great excellent all right. Well, thank you very yeah. much. You know, you're always a wealth of information. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, I learned know, a lot today. And, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love talking to you and listening because uh, you know I have these questions too, and it's it's a uh, it's always so informative to to have you on. Well, thank you. You know, and if people want to know more, go on the National Plaster Council's website. We have all of our technical bulletins, which talks about cement, um, you know, the color loss issues and masking. Um, you know, all the things that we're talking about and discussing calcium nodules in technical papers with references on them. And that's just a really good resource to go to. And then uh, this is not new, but it's yeah. there, and a lot of people just don't realize yeah. it's all there. Well, so. and the, the technical manual, too. You know, really every builder should have that. It's not that expensive, and, and uh, you know, it's just recently been updated. And it's really, I mean, there's a wealth of information in there. Yeah, become a member. It's not expensive to be a member of the National Plastic Council. If you're a builder, we have a lot of builders there. And we have our, you know, our, our uh, yearly, um, you know, um, shows and usually in February conferences. And there's so many classes specifically right. about the things we're talking about, um, you know, um, cyanuric acid, materials, how they work, application processes, methods, reactions, what does this waterproofing, um, all these things for not just the plaster, but for the builder, we're all on the same page. And it's uh, just a really good place to be to get this type of information. So I promote, that's my, my shot for the MPC there. Right, so, yeah, uh, yeah. No problem. Perfect. Yeah. All right, Thanks, well, guys. thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Acid Masters podcast. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page each week on Tuesdays for new episodes of the show. I also want to encourage you to stop by the Ask the Masters Facebook page and invite other like-minded individuals to join us there as well. Feel free to jump into the conversations and even post your own questions. We want to create a community which fosters learning and discovery for the betterment of us all. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please be sure to subscribe and feel free to share 